And we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job And we get goals good Looking good We are Carlisle United Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh what fun it is to see Carlisle win away Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan No you weren't dreaming Not only did United win a game But they scored twice and kept a clean sheet On this week's episode We look back on a vital win over Stevenage And preview this weekend's clash With the Bradford City side Struggling for form at Brunton Park. I went through that about 100 miles an hour to fit it in. <laughs> I put a bit more in than normal because I wanted to get that bit in at the start. Oh, that was a good feeling last weekend, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, uh, some, of us, some of us expected the win. Mm. <clears throat> some of us uh, weren't quite as confident, I think it's fair to say. Oh. No, if, if, if ever there was a game that we, we had to win, it was... Last Saturday, you know, they're just getting used to a new manager in Tisdale, and you know he won't have had, he hasn't had much time to get to work, and yeah. I think Keith Millen's just that three or four weeks ahead of him in terms of what he's trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll touch on the Stevenage game. We're not going to cover it in as much detail as normal because none of us went to the game. None of us really listen. I didn't listen to the radio because I was actually out having a meal at that time. So unfortunately, wasn't able to follow it as closely as a planned. meal on a Saturday afternoon. That's a random time for a yeah, meal. Yeah, well, the, the meal was at was it four o'clock? I can't remember now. It was four o'clock. Went for a walk in Delamere Forest. Basically, this big light show thing on for Christmas. So went for a nice uh, pub lunch in Cheshire. Very, very. Uh, Middle class behaviour. I was going to say, say, very middle class. Yeah. <clears throat> Indeed. Well, let's get on to the news, Dan, because that's the bit where we're going to cover in a bit of detail this week, because there's, there's one little bit that's emerged this week, but then there was one bit last week that emerged after we released the episode that was pretty big news, I think it's fair to say. So uh, first up, the, the bit that emerged this week, that's obviously the news about the capacity of Brunton Park. It's been temporarily reduced. So yeah, United have uh, basically announced plans to change the capacity at Brunton Park. That means there'll be no, pla- no need to bring in Plan B COVID-19 regulations for home fixtures, uh, as long as those plans are in place. So the capacity has been reduced from about 18,000, I think it was previously, Dan, I think. I can't yeah, give, exactly. give or take 1,500 folk, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's gone down to 9,999, which is one below the trigger for Plan B. That's going to be split into 3,999 3, terracing and 6,000 seating. Uh, there'll be no need for COVID-19 vaccine uh, or testification to be shown. Um, mandatory face coverings for indoor settings do not extend to the hospitality and bar settings at the club. Um, hence, face coverings in foxes, the hospitality boxes, lounges, and the West Stand bars are not mandatory, but they are in the East Stand concourse, despite the fact that that's well ventilate, ventilated because it's open at either end. It's that's, that's the logic of it, but there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, no plans for being able to have... I mean, to be honest, this is a logistical decision, isn't it, by the club? Because we've seen this season what a shambles it's been at times with normal tickets. Yeah, it's a sensible operational decision. You know, we're, we're out the Cups, so there's no potential big third or fourth round games on the horizon. The Pizza Trophy certainly isn't going to get big crowds. And even if you look at the, the two big home games we've got coming up, you know, Bradford are usually well-supported, but given the, the league position to both, it's still probably only be... And it's pre-Christmas, isn't it? I mean, it's always yeah, a smaller yeah, crowd for that game. Yeah, and even with Rochdale on uh, Boxing Day, you know, I mean, they, they might bring a few up, but even with the usual sort of holiday increase you get on Boxing Day, you're still probably only going to have 
what, 5,000, maybe 6,000 at a push. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it just saves a lot of paperwork, a lot of hassle, and it's it's, it's common sense, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as Greg pointed out, our good friend Greg Bullman pointed out that uh, this season there's been a two or three times when going in, the scanners have failed for, even for the QR codes for tickets. So, you know, it saves them doing that, you know, potential queues, and also saves them the time that they're going to have to spend checking for tennis balls in people's pockets as well before <laughs> the game. So so there you go. But yeah, it, it, it attracted a, f- a few... Um, interesting people on Twitter saying that suddenly Carlisle's their second team who clearly yeah. haven't looked into the details of it. One of which is former Premier League footballer and goal scorer extraordinaire Matt Letizia. But yeah, probably best we move on from that quickly. Yeah, one, the, one of the the, uh, the Sport for All account, I think it yeah. was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Retweeted the news. I think it's been liked 35,000 times and yeah. uh, a lot of uh, anti-vax conspirators have now joke that they're adopting Carlisle the irony is if they all came to the match we'd have to adopt we, we, we'd have to adopt these uh, rules so yeah, well, that, yeah. that's the irony but it's, it, it's a bit it? it's a bit of publicity and a, a bit yeah. of good light for a change so. yeah. right well let's move on to the main bit of news then Dan um, it's been dragging on for a while this one but finally the takeover slash succession slash investment whatever bollocks you want to call it the saga of that is over it, it's, well, it's, it's, well, it, for now, I I don't class it as over until we don't owe a penny till pure pay stroke EWM personally. Oh, well, that's one of the talking points we've got down yeah. here, isn't it? But, so basically, it was confirmed by the club in a statement on the official website last Friday that the talks of our lender, pure pay, formerly EWM, has have ended. Um, with no resolution to the issues that had blocked the deal, with some pointed references, I think it's fair to say, to kiosks thrown in by the club. Uh, bringing the ownership issue back to square one. Um, Kiosk responded with their own statement explaining their reasoning too. And it's just left fans trying to work out, one, what the hell is going on? Two, where do we go from here? That's where we are, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, basically. We haven't been told enough. There's been a lot of back-end dealings. Uh, Kiosk especially, it appears that the top board have made the decisions without going to the members, which mm. I understand they have the right to do so. But Doesn't look great, though. You would imagine that something as serious as potential dilution of their share should be taken to the membership. Mm. You know, it's... it's the there's, there's stuff will come out over the weeks about this, I've no doubt. You know, I mean, fans have already started firing questions into the relevant parties and... I'm sure we will get uh, a few more answers over time. But what 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 a great early Christmas present, isn't it? Typical Carlisle United. So yeah, I've I've got a few discussion points I've I've, I've picked out here, Dan, to for us to go through on this one. Um, I mean, the first thing I from the, the two statements is it, it it's good that I suppose we've had some sort of resolution, but there's still not enough detail on this, is there? When you go through, I mean, the club and kiosk, I mean, and I guess EWM and Pure Bay need to be honest about what the actual issues that held up the deal were. Because without that, you can't really judge either way about this, can you? It's a, it's a really tough one for, for your average fan to look at and think, well, what does this all mean? All I know is that it means it's, that it looks like EWM and Pure Bay are not taking over, but why has it happened? What are the issues and how do we avoid them happening in the future? Given that EWM stroke Pure Pay have been silent from day one, hmm. I don't think we're ever going to find out what the yeah. issues were. We as fans can join the dots and make 
semi-educated guesses. Uh, the club may reveal some, but whilst we owe approximately two and a half million to them, mm-hmm. I doubt they will come out all guns blazing over it because we wouldn't want to be in a situation where that needed to be paid quite quickly and affected us. So it's... It goes back to the issue of the fact that they've, t- they've tied themselves in knots with this with this deal with EWM slash pure pay. Um, and, and the thing is, they looked at it and thought, well, this is better than going to a bank. Because if a bank's there, they're going to be demanding money go back every now and then. Whereas EWM pure pay have got this, what, maybe a slight bit of interest in it, but they're not saying we want that money back now, are they? They're quite happy for it to sit there for now. Obviously, so that's yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a tough one. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the feeling from some fans isn't it, it, it's a bit of a bullet dodged. Um, probably, as you mentioned, due to the fact that we haven't really heard anything. It's been silence from Eterbima and Purepay, which is obviously their, you know, their their right to to go about doing stuff that way. But the problem is, we we don't have a clue what the new ownership setup would look like, so we don't know if it's a a bad thing or a good thing. It could be in a good setup for all we know. This is yeah, why we're, all, yeah. we're very much I in mean, the dark. I can fully understand why they haven't commented because you often find with takeovers, companies don't like to make comments until a deal's done. But football, although business operates a little bit different, it, football lives off rumours and you know gossip, and I mean, there's literally been nothing from their end. Well, you know, well, I mean, you, you you go to I'm thinking of, of Wrexham when they were taken over by Reynolds and McKinley, they spoke to their sports trust. There was a bit of silence and a bit of rumours at the start. And then suddenly it came out and they started saying, this is what we're doing. This is what we've got plans for. Whereas with this, we were just sort of kept in the dark. It's like, oh, we know better. That was the feeling that, that that's the feeling fans take from it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's just a mess, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. Only at Carlisle United could so little words create so much mess because, I mean, we've got currently John Jackson, who's part of the EWM Pure Pay setup, mm. on our board. Does he step back from that now? Does he stay until they've got every last penny back? I mean, it would Do- make, for me, it would make sense if, if they're running a setup where they, they're not demanding we pay it back urgently, but they want to keep an eye and make sure we're not throwing money away for the sake of it when we could be paying a bit back. I think it does make sense that he would stay there, probably. It's also it's also none of his business either because we're a professional sports club and sometimes money has to go suddenly places. True, so, you true, know. true. But he, he may take... That's where he's got to make a judgment, isn't he? He's got to look yeah, and say, well, actually, yeah. I can understand they're in danger of going on the league, which means they'd get less money. So it makes sense they're going to have to spend a bit of money to keep themselves in the league so that they're in a situation where they definitely can't pay us back any money. That's that's the way he's probably mm-hmm. looking at it. Um, kiosk. So at first, when the when the club statement first came out, they they came out very much as almost the bad guys, didn't they? Yeah. They they countered back. Very quickly as well. So yeah. they obviously, well, because they're part of the, they obviously knew a statement would be going out, so they had time to to prepare their counter-statement. I, I do wonder if they, they were almost waiting for the club's one to come out so they could... They probably had theirs more or less ready but added bits in. Oh, yeah, to, definitely, to, definitely. counter what was said. Because the, yeah. situa- the, the suggestion from the club statement essentially is that Kiosk were the ones who put the block on it when EWM Pure Bay wanted to change the takeover slightly last year. And as a result, there'd be no resolution to that, so that's it. I'll, there's no way of going forward. 
Kiosk have sort of slightly disagreed with that, I think it's fair to say, would you say? Yeah. Kiosk's biggest problem has been their lack of conversation with first and foremost their members who yeah. number what, four, four fifty? Yeah. And also as a shareholder to the wider fan base, you know, I mean mm. a completely no problem if they tell their members first because that's that's what they should do. Yeah. But when 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 you read into it, uh I'm looking at the kiosk statement here. They say, we need to make it clear at no time were we asked to give up any shares. We were asked to agree to allow the B non-voting shares to be turned into A voting shares. These B shares were when uh, Andrew Jenkins and John Nixon, etc. converted debt debt for non-voting shares. If that had happened, it would have meant that the total number of shares held by Kiosk would have been just under 10%. Mm. And they say, we agreed this subject to a full change of control. Now, when they say, we agreed this, that's their board agreeing this. Mm-hmm. Because there's certainly never been a fan vote on, yeah. do, do, we, do we agree to this? So, and like, like I said earlier, yes, they do have a, a thing where the board can make decisions, etc., but something but as big as that, you've for got something to. as big as that to not go to the members is bordering on criminal for me. Yeah, it, it, it's worrying, and they've got to ask questions of themselves going forward as well. As you mentioned, there four hundred and fifty members odd. Our average gates are four and a half thousand. Add on to that, probably two or three thousand exiles who maybe don't aren't able to get to games regularly, but will go to the away games every now and then and stuff like that. They're still fans; they still have a voice in it. You know that. Argument that they, they maybe only represent about five percent of the realistic fan base of the club. Well, uh, uh, you, you're talking roughly, as you say, about ten percent of an average attendance. But when you chuck in the likes of shift work and people who can only attend, you know, maybe once a month, for you know, and not everyone attends every game at the same time. Yeah. You probably, like you say, you probably are looking at what five, six, seven percent. You know, it's it, it's quite poor when. Especially when you look when you look at clubs like Exeter, where everyone's a member, three or four thousand at Exeter. You know, yeah. obviously not everyone's going to want to join something like that. That's fine, but oh no, you, no, no, you should you should be aiming to get at least pushing on 40 percent of your fan base signed up. Something, yeah, like yeah, really is what you should be aiming for. There should certainly be no reason why we don't have one thousand members of our trust, yeah. considering that they own a share of the club. And then you go back to the issue when you go to the AGM, only forty people voting in it. 40, 50 yeah, people voting yeah. max. Yeah. That, that's that's not great. <laughs> that that really isn't great at all. But but there you go. That that's 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 certainly a different issue at all altogether, isn't it? Um I mean just one more thing on them. It's like what's the point of them having this agreeing to confidentiality, etc. they've got the blocking power at the club. They've got the yeah. blocking power in terms of takeovers. They're the ones with the power here, so they can turn around and say, No, we we will go to talk to you about potentially diluting our thing or doing this and that, but you've got to speak a bit more about to the fans about exactly what your plans are for yeah, them. Yeah. That well, has can... to be the that, and they've got to be brave and they've got to. It, it's like sometimes that they, they enjoy being there in the boardroom and they they like you know rolling on the backs and having the bellies tickled. That's the feeling you get from watching yeah. it. I'm sure that I'm sure there are some people in there have got strong views on, on the set up a kind but don't, they're not don't showing get, it. Don't get, don't get me wrong. 
some of the legalities surrounding a takeover yeah. are obviously have to be confidential for a certain time and that. But something as serious as a dilution without taking it to your members, that's that, yeah. that's almost that's almost an abuse but, of power. Yeah, they can make it a condition to whoever's taken over saying, you've got to speak to the fans and explain exactly what your yeah, plans are for yeah. this club. Because to be honest, what they were planning on doing, if it happened, EWM or Pupe or whatever would have taken over and we would have had no idea exactly what their plans for the club were. They could have come in and said... Well, actually, we're gonna we're gonna run it in an even tighter budget than the the, the current yeah. owners are, and we're basically gonna strip it back. Essentially, that's B- what they basically, could have done. Basically, they need to grow some. Yeah, grow a pair of balls and basically you know. say say to the, the next time there's one of these comes up, okay, you've got to speak to the fans and explain exactly what your plans are. Because it, because if you don't, we will. Yeah, or basically say if you don't, then we refuse to get ourselves involved in this takeover. Yeah, and if the club and we'll say tell oh, the fans why, and if the club say oh the. the Kiosk are blocking it. They can turn out and say, "Well, we're not blocking it. We're only blocking it because they won't tell us what the plans are." And that's the common sense. That's that's where they need to really. It, it's frustrating. It really frustrates me because there's because other clubs would bite their hands off for the setup. The you know owners of shares they've got, they really would. And they've honestly they've wasted such an opportunity over the last how many years they've had it now? Maybe fifteen years, something like that. They've had the the shares maybe a little bit longer. Mm. They've had so many opportunities. They've had opportunities to do fundraising for the club. And you look at, you see their accounts, what they've got in their accounts sometimes for like 10 grand or something in there. You look at Exeter are loaning two million to their club. Obviously, it's complicated the way the money works and all stuff like that. But they've got a set up there where they own the club and they're doing all that. And if it feels like there needs to be some, some analysis kicked basically and got back, got it got into shape. That's what it feels like there. But there you go. Well, let's move on to the club now. Dan, um, for me, they've once again, and it just feels like we're on repeat with this. They've shown themselves completely incapable of, of woefully incapable, I think it's fair to say, of, of getting a takeover or investment sorted at the club. How many times have they failed miserably with this? And they all say, "Oh, you know, we've got to be cautious. We've got to make sure it's the right people." I said, "I mean, funny, but plenty of other clubs have done it." I'd ask questions about the fact that this EW and Pure Bay thing has dragged on for what three years now, or something like that. Okay, right. Maybe two, maybe just two years. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, in that time, Wrexham got taken. Here to bring it back to the Wrexham got t- taken over by those two American film stars, TV stars, right? There's an article on the Athletic. You can read it by one of the guys who helped support them. Is an English bloke who's a football fan who said that they went around looking at potential League One and League Two clubs as well because they were advised you're much better off buying a League One or League Two club because it's much easier when you're already in the EFL than it is to get yourself out of the National League. Have we missed an opportunity there, maybe? Because we've been so steadfastly obsessed with getting EWM through the door as owners? There's, Possibly. There's got to be I mean, big questions about what, what they've actually done over the last few years. Every, every few months, there's talk of groups looking for clubs with potential, you know, and our name never pops up in it. And it really annoys me because we're probably one of the teams in League 1 and 2 with the most potential because yes we're Carlisle United but we represent half the county in South West Scotland and heading towards Northumberland you know we're like a smaller scale version of Norwich oh. I always think in that we, there's no you know, club nearby <laughs> yeah yeah but I know they've got Ipswich further along but you know people come in to watch you know I mean we all I mean you're from Cockermouth originally we all know folk from out west, Penrith, Kendall, Appleby, 
People thought Gretna, Gretna, Gretna Annan, Dumfries. I know people from Brampton, Holt Whistle, you know, I mean, it's a big, big draw, and we, we do not shout about this enough when it comes to this. And with, with the greatest respect to our board of directors, Andrew Jenkins is in his mid 80s. Yeah. Steve Pat wears tank tops, <laughs> and John John Nixon's too busy on his little cush the FA numbers. So. I, I, I was hoping with Steve Pat that you were going to mention shares and memes of dogs with ham on their face on Facebook. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sick of sharing that one, it's after. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> with the greatest of respect to them, they're not the most active of sellers, are they? You know, no. There's, there's no get up and go there, is there? No. You know, I mean, should they be instructing Nigel Clubbing, the chief executive, to prepare a document and advertise to us, selling us, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we know Nigel loves, loves the document. I'm, I'm pretty sure he could knock up, you know, an article, you know, get a map of Cumbria, South West Scotland and I'll draw a circle for you where people come and add up, add up how many people live in there. Yeah, not everyone likes football, but if half of them people like, there's probably a captive audience of a quarter of a million people for this football club. Hmm. The, the potential's massive. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Dan, and, it, and it, it, that, that's what it is. we're passionate about. This, aren't we? The fact that as a club, we look when people say put the club up for sale. I think some people are a bit naive and say as if we just put an advert in the newspaper. That's not what, what, what we think. Start. It, it would be a start, but then it, it's it, it's a little bit gimmick, and it looks at to be honest, it doesn't look very well, professional. No, to no, me. no, no. There's, I, I there's, think. there's there's industry publications where you can do that sort of thing. True, true. But I, for me, I think you're Football right. Football business magazine. Why not put an advert in there? In terms of the document, as you say, a brochure or something, or like a, you know, that basically sells the company. Says this is why we're a club that could really go places. You know, there's potential for investment here. What maybe some of the does clearly highlight the issues we're facing: the fact that we actually do need some work done to the ground, but there's an opportunity to build something really, really good. <laughs> that's the understatement of the year. Yeah, some well, work. That's, yeah, that's 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 the problem. Isn't yeah. It? So, uh, but yeah, you're right. That it's it, 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 I think. They need maybe something like that to do a brochure, or they need maybe get some outside help. I don't know how you go about doing that. You you do have to be careful because there are. I mean, you've seen what we've seen what happened with Rochdale this summer, where basically there, there was a hostile attempt at a takeover there by people who, quite frankly, I would not want anywhere near Cal United. So I don't yeah. blame Rochdale fans and the Slayers for trying to stop them because they've been involved in clubs in the past. Who, yeah, well, let, let do, basically Google what happened with Rochdale takeover is what I advise because yeah, yeah. that was that was very close to being a disaster for them. But their fans did a brilliant you, you, job. You want you want it. you want to avoid getting people like Yaya Kurdi involved. Hmm. But I mean, once once we once the fan base worked out his name, a thirty second Google search showed up what he was. Yeah. You telling me nobody at that club's got Google? No one looked at him for. This bloke does not have the money he claims. He has. Yeah, this is yeah. nonsense. Let's, let's take a step back. That's why I do worry sometimes if there's, there's certain agents who maybe have influence over people. I don't know. And they take their advice a bit too seriously when they should really well, take we, a step we all, back. Well, we, we all know where all that came from and yes, yes, the various let's, links. Let's, that's uh, probably best to leave that there, isn't it? I think it's uh, fair to say. Yeah. Okay, um... Next thing up here, Dan. I mean, actually, one more thing on the club that I've got to say. Sorting out the debt's got to be the priority next. That really has to be the next main aim for the club because yeah, that is the yeah. thing that's going to happen. There needs to be some sort of agreement with EDBM. They, I mean, I'm not being funny, but if Fred Story can manage to find a way to write off £1.2 million of debt to us, 
I'm pretty sure that um, what's his name, Philip Day, can 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 work his magic with his accountants and find a way to to do I something think, similar. That's what you'd hope. I but. think the the problem we have there, and I'm certainly no expert for yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're not experts in finance, but PurePay aren't a massive company at the moment. Yeah, they're basically a bit of a shell and just beginning out. So for them to write off such a debt so early in their life yeah, would be, be but there, there likely is ways and means I mean ideally say, say it's at two and a half million and the club just say right ten years we'll give you stop the interest on it because it'll kill us ten years you can have a quarter of a million a year and we'll just get on with it yeah it'll affect our budget sometimes but <sighs> it's we, one of the we need to get rid it? of it don't we Ideally, if they could help us by just writing off somehow, that would, that would be the best way of happening. Or we basically just need to wait for Dean Henderson to get sold, which seems to be the 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 plan of the club at the moment, doesn't it? Um, a couple more points before we move on to talk about the Stevenage game. Finally, um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Then, Dan, Mister Holdsworth. So, if the plan takeover with Pure Bay EWM is off. What's the need for David Holdsworth to still be employed by the club in the director of football role? Well, as regular listeners will know, I'm an advocate of a director of yep. football role. Yeah, I too. think it. I think in the modern game, it's essential. Uh, and as regular listeners will also know, we're probably in agreement that on performance, David Holdsworth possibly isn't that man. And for what he claims and to, to we're do, we're being very job. polite and fair here. Yeah. Uh, does it get to a point where at the end of this season we say thanks very much off you go Uh, let's advertise it properly and get a a proper man in or get someone in who maybe has some connections with the club in the past who would be good for that role a name that we've both suggested in the past would be good at Greg Abbott or get get someone in who has some connections at football clubs that would be a good idea just in general we all know. We all know. Greg's got hundreds of contacts, hasn't he? From when yeah. his time as his manager, but but yeah, I mean that's off to another point there. I mean, we all know exactly why who why and why he's putting that role by who, don't we? Yeah. So they've not got that same connection anymore. They're literally just the lender now. They're not the potential future owner, right? For me, like I said, I, we should be working towards him leaving the role at the end of the season at the very least. I don't think he's up to it. I don't think he's any good. I don't want to. I don't want to see him banging on about you know these fantastic new kits we've got from Maria, which are actually shit. I'm, I'm, you know, that's not for one. That's not a director of football show. <laughs> it's for me. For me, like I said, I just want someone in the role who's actually any good at it. And I, I, yeah. I think we should definitely stick with the role. We should have someone in who's got the long term aim of setting out a plan for the club. A proper director of football hmm. would obviously oversee the contract negotiation. The, the, the way it should work is. The head coach picks the targets, yeah, and then he meets them. But the director of football does the the haggling with the agent yeah. and working with the chief executive. Together, yeah. yeah, but also the director of football should also be working with the youth team mm. and the academy to sort the pathway. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't honestly sit here and say how much involvement David Holdsworth has with that side of it mm-hmm. I would hazard a guess it's nowhere near what it should be if it is I'll apologise instantly but I mean bangs I'm, on about I'm, Louis Bell being so great and yet 
what what opportunities have you got at the moment? There's an example for you. If Lewis Bell is as good as I say he is, he should be playing first team football now. Yeah. And that's that's not me being harsh at Lewis exactly. Bell. Exactly. We said you this know, before, it's, yeah. It's it's not his fault he's been banded about so much. And also we know he had he had COVID really bad yeah. and it really hit yeah. him. But it, there comes a time with some of these young players where if they're that good they should be playing because mm-hmm. Kyle Dempsey did, Brad Potts yeah. did, yeah. Matt Janssen did, Rory Delap did. Jared Bradfight did. And it's 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 and Sam right. Fishburn, found Sam Fishburn is now. Yeah, Telecharters, Sam Fishburn, you know. You know, it's uh it's all right saying, oh, you know, we, we want 750 grand for this player. Get him on the pitch playing, yeah. putting in seven and eight out of ten every week, and your 750 will become one and a half million very quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's what you'd think, but there you go. But, yeah, anyway, we could talk about that, him and you know, the issues of that all day, but we probably need to move on quickly yeah. before we get into Stevenage. But this is more like an open question to our fans, and we'll basically put something out on Twitter and social media about this. What what do our fans actually want from a takeover? That's a big question that we need to have a look at going forward because we've got to be realistic here. Whoever comes in will inherit all the same issues, dilapidated ground, you know, geography working against us. Well, he's he, a fourth for you. Uh, the 8th of January, we're not going to have a game, are we? Yeah. And we have said in previous episodes, yes. we would maybe do a bit of a special on the state of the club and that. So if we get these Christmas and New Year fixtures out of the way, we will ask the question prior to recording for that weekend, and you can you can all give us your views, yeah. and we'll we'll read uh, as many out as we can. Yeah. And then then it serves just me, me and Mike just talking nonstop <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's the plan. So we'll we'll do that probably just after Christmas. We'll get you to send in all your questions, and we'll we'll have a little discussion through some of those as well. Um. Let's move on to the match review then, Dan. Oh, sorry, one bit of news that has yeah. just come through as we're recording, recording on Wednesday here. We've sold out our initial allocation for Salford. Yeah. Uh, the 1,100 Terracin got reduced to 750 for some reason. Hmm. Uh, so we've sold 750 Terracin and 216 seats. And the club are just waiting to hear if we'll get the other 350 Terracin. Yeah. I see no reason why not, because Salford get about 1,500 at home. Yeah. and they're just losing money themselves if they don't sell them. Yeah. But it'll be good to see a good uh, a good travelling support. Definitely, definitely. All right, then, Dan, let's uh, do the match review of the Stevenage game. We'll try and keep this a bit tighter than usual because, like I said, none of us watched it. Uh, Kyle United 2, Stevenage 0. Yeah, it's quite hard to believe, but United have won a game away from home, and not only that, they've done so by scoring two goals. What a Christmas treat this was. Um now six points from a possible nine for Keith Mullins boys I mean you look at it now was the Mansfield result a bit of a blip or is it too early to tell I mean, a bit of context there Mansfield are actually top of the form table right now so when you look at it it's probably a, a narrow 1-0 defeat there it's not the worst result in the world is it actually and you, you could argue that we we deserved a draw on the second half yeah at Mansfield yeah, yeah there's this argument for that um, all we know is that it was a massive win f- for the lads not only gets his points on board, but it, it drags Stevenage back into the, the battle to avoid the drop as well. And that's important. Getting more teams involved in that makes it more of a scrap and gives us a better chance of actually getting out there as well. Um, some of the talking points, I mean, I said there, you can't un- underestimate how big a result this could be. 
Millen said in midweek that he wasn't a six-pointer, but he did actually have to admit after the game, didn't he, that it was a, a massive game and effectively a six-pointer. So yeah, he, he yeah. seemed very pleased with that. Um, how important do you reckon it is, Dan, not just in terms of the points, but a sort of psychological thing, getting one over one of the teams near us in the table? Oh, it's massive. You know, it's a, and also away from home as well, you know, yeah. reminds them that they can win away from home, mm. etc. You know, it's... And with the fixtures we've got coming up, you know, we're playing teams shortly that are Bradford are 14th, Rochdale are 18th, Salford are mm. 17th, and Scunthorpe are 24th. What's to be scared from from them four games? No. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe they'll look at it and think, well, we can beat these teams, they're no better than us. Yeah, and that, if, if, you, if you look a little bit further ahead as well, you've got Crawley, I think, is the next game, isn't it? And you know, they're not they're, they're a team that you know when they come to Brunton Park generally struggle, don't they? So, yeah. yeah and there's a two week wait break before that, so that's a chance for us to you know get a bit of a bit of a time on the training ground as well to work on. Ho- hopefully, get some uh, new faces in. Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. Uh, in terms of the team selection for this game, Dan, we we've talked about it in jest for months, haven't we? So we can take the credit for this, but. John Mellish was finally used as a striker, and <laughs> yeah, he seemed to do okay. Obviously, he's finding his feet a bit, but he, I mean, his physical presence made a difference, didn't it? And uh, quite brave of Keith Miller to play him with Sam Fishburne as well. He could have, you know, put Abraham's up there as a bit of you know slightly more experienced head, but he went with that decision to to play the lad who's not played there before and a young striker, didn't he? Yeah. Uh... One thing you, we all know we get with Mellish is he won't stop running. He's yeah. a nuisance. He's never going to be the tidiest player. He's no. more brawn than beauty when it comes mm. to the game. But, uh, but those players are useful at League Two level. Yeah, they can be. You know, it, it was like a lower league version of uh, you know Chris Sutton or Paul Warhurst, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's um, and that's obviously Paul Warhurst, not at Carlisle, because no. uh, we, yeah, we can't forgive that, his twenty-three minutes cameo at Macclesfield. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it uh, you know it worked, and maybe a couple of our other strikers should be looking, thinking, bloody hell, showing us up a bit. Well, that, that, that's a point I put further on to, <laughs> for us to discuss there. Well, we might as well say it now, if you're Abraham's and young, do you maybe look at that and think, oh, Christ, he's using a a midfielder converted from centre back now as a strike instead of us, and, yeah. and a kid basically who's not you know just making his way. A little bit of a wake up call for them. I know Millen was at pains after the game to say it wasn't a reflection on those two. He just felt for this specific game we needed a bit of physicality up there, and it made sense to to try John maybe in that role because we aren't getting the best out of him in midfield. Yeah, but he still must be something at the back of their head saying we're not getting a start now ahead of these two. Yeah, yeah. You'd hope at least that would give him a wake-up call. You would hope so. But, yep. uh... Well, let's talk about the goals then quickly. Um, first goal, a bit more of the guy of last season. He, great little clip delivery into the box from the free kick. A thundering header from Meller that the keeper palmed onto the bar. And, um, I mean, it pretty much bounces off Mellish into the net and a few people sort of mocking it in that way. But you've got to be in the right place at the right time, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, he's in the right place, so... Yeah, you and can't knock him for that, you know. It's one of those ones playing as a striker now. It he, he, he wasn't a case for him of, I've got to think about where I'm going to get back to defending him in it. He's basically just in there doing his job as a striker. And that's maybe helped him a little bit to get more yeah. into that deeper position into the box, possibly. So, yeah, no, 
you know, got to be in the right place, right time, and great to see from John. Um, goal number two. It's a great bit of wing play by Gibson, isn't it? It's a nip in, take the ball off one defender, beat a couple more, and then get Polak's basically. <laughs> the defender injured himself, didn't he, in the process of bringing him down in the box. Um, nice to see a bit of confidence from him as well. Just grab the ball straight away and say, no, I'm taking this. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's playing with confidence, isn't he? You know, he's, yeah. it's, it's, he's probably been our best player recently. Yeah. He obviously feels he's playing well and he's, uh, he's grabbed the ball. I mean, you look, he's scored four goals since mm. the since mid-November, so yeah, yeah, l- okay. let him take them if he's happy taking them. Happy yeah. days, brilliant. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean there was a ridiculous amount of time between the actual penalty being awarded and being taken. I know it was an injury, but even when Gibson had you know got the ball in the spot, he took about a minute to actually sort out the area and get everyone yeah. ready. And really cool, just wait for the keeper to move and slot it into the other other side. Um, and that was it. We would, I mean got to be given a bit of a case for the defence in this game I mean that's six clean sheets in 21 games now which is not a bad return from a side that's sort of struggling near the bottom the, of the table and a side that's had a couple of hammerings at the likes of Sutton and Northampton I, you I know. think that, that that's what makes our defensive record look a bit worse really when you when you take those two away we're actually probably round about mid-table really in terms of the way we yeah. are you almost look at those games as blips don't you in a, in a weird way um but yeah no it's it, Full credit to them. Another good defensive performance. Basically, just need to start changing a couple of those nil-nil draws. We had four of them already this season into one nils and two nils, don't we? Basically, because the thing is, is yeah. if you keep a clean sheet, well, you're guaranteed at least a point. It's half a battle, isn't it? Exactly, exactly that. And in terms of that, Mark Howard, how vital is it to tie him down until the end of the season? I mean, didn't have a huge amount to do in this game, but he made two big. I mean, one big save just before we took the lead, and then another one deep into the second half as well to keep it at two nil. I think it's, we've got to get him tied down to the end of the season, surely. I'll be honest, I'm worried, eh? because it seems to have hit a bit of a... The suggestions seem to be that we've been away and it's been a bit difficult to mm. sit down and actually have talks, but I'd, I'd hope they just get something sorted. And I mean, if, yeah. if we don't get him tied down, then unless he's making outrageous demands, which I can't imagine he is, he's 36 no. and you know, he didn't have a team until he joined us, and he's now first-choice keeper pretty much. Then there's a big question about what what's the point of David Holsworth being there if he can't sort out a, a deal? It should be as simple as that. Well, yeah, I mean we've uh, we've seen it before the other year when Sowerby and Addison and Yates were all here and we were assured they would be still be here and they all left. Yeah. So a big couple of weeks regarding Howard. Uh, it'd be nice to get him to the end of the season, but. It would indeed. It would indeed. Um, I think that pretty much covers it in terms of talking about the thing. I've got another point about John Mellish, but we'll discuss that in the preview section. Um, let's take a quick break then now, Dan, and we'll be back with the preview section just after that. Back for part two of the Brunton Bugle. Hey, of course. Hey, hey. That, that second part could be right. We could be going up the Football League. Hey, With this run of fixtures, you never know. You, you never know, you never know indeed. So yeah, we're on to the uh, preview section now. Um, just a reminder to everyone, you can subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast apps over there, Acast, Google, Spotify Podcast uh, or Apple Podcast. You, you can get them all on there and just click subscribe. And as soon as 
a new episode's out, it'll appear in your little inbox on the app. Um, and obviously, if you can give us a review on anything, that'd, that'd be brilliant. I'd look the other day. I think we've got about 50 reviews on um, Apple Podcasts now, and I think I think it's an average, about 4.9 out of 5. Yeah. So, brilliant. There was on, there's, there's only one bad one, and let's just say we're a bit embarrassed for the person who did it because we know <laughs> we know who you are. Yes, we can. And we won't say any more than that. Well, it's very easy to work out when you look at the, the other yeah. reviews they've done. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. that. Um, that's none of our business. Indeed, indeed. It's, it's their choice. If that, that, that's their opinion. That's their opinion. just happens yeah. that uh, 99% of the other people disagree with them. Um, yeah, so as well as that, you can follow us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, or search for Brunton Bugle on Twitter and like our page. Um, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not group and on the net message board as well. Um, so yeah, second half of the show, as usual, it's sponsored by the London, the Kyanite Sports Club London Branch this season. The London Branch is open to all Kyanite fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston, Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. Not heard anything about your challenge yet, Dan, about all 32 boroughs of London, but we'll we'll drop a message to Simon and see if he can uh, find that out for us. Yeah. Um, they regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and supporters games and do fundraising for the club. They'll be providing some information about, for the away games as part of their preview section this season too. You can find out more about London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Right, Dan. First up, we've got the catching up with the opposition section. And this week we spoke to Bradford City fan Ben about how the Bantams are getting on this season. Some of the topics covered include uh, how Derek Adams is faring in his first season at Valley Parade, why the Bantams are unable to sort of keep up with the expectations of their club, really, in terms of their excellent support. They don't really hit the heights you'd expect. Um, and a bit about the ex-Blues and ex-Bantams in the two squads. So here's the chat I had with Ben earlier this week. Ben, thanks for giving up your time to speak to us about uh, Bradford City today. Um Last two seasons since you dropped back down to League Two were a bit of a slog, I think it's fair to say, for the Bantams. But your expectations, well, at least among fans of other League Two clubs, and certainly on our podcast, we predicted you to do well, were quite high in the summer after you brought yeah. in a new manager and some decent signings. So, so what's gone wrong so far? Why is it not quite clicked yet? Yeah, it's kind of like a complete um, inverse of last season because I think uh, kind of last season we went into the, into the season with a very... Um, threadbare squad and I think we kind of expected maybe that we would struggle um, whereas this year we kind of you know brought in a proven manager who'd had success in this league and has you know got that on his resume that he got out with much you know smaller clubs on much um, tighter budgets and I think everybody really expected us to be um, comfortably within the top six or seven and you know we started well we got a couple of good wins um, under our belts early on uh, we beat Man- Mansfield away after we were 2-1 mm. down. We came back and beat them. And, uh, you know, since then, um, all that kind of optimism just seemed, seemed to fade away. You know, we've had some really frustrating kind of games. I mean, we've, we've drawn 11 matches already this season, which has kind of been, you know, our Achilles heel that we just haven't turned, you know, those tight games into wins where, you know, two or three of those into wins and we'd be sitting on the edge of the playoffs, which is, um, you know, kind of... And it shows how close this league is and, you know, the fact that no team really seems to be um, really outstanding this season. Even, you know, your Forest Greens, you look on Saturday, they went to Oldham and were bottom and, and you know, couldn't beat them. So, um, we really expected, you know, big things under Derek Adams. And so far, um, both he and the team just, just haven't delivered um, you know, what we expected. But I think um, it, it's not just a case of, you know, the team aren't trying or, or the, the players are not 
not maybe bought in, you know, to the to the project yet. I think it's more um, one a bit of bad luck that we've had so many injuries to key players already this season. I think two, um, you know, the, the the quality maybe isn't there. Um, the recruitment has maybe let us down in terms of the players we've brought in and not not really players that are going to be pushing for you know promotion to League One or would be able to hold their own in League One. Um, and I think three, you know, it's a, it's been a bit of a bit of a culture shock for Derek Adams that he's kind of at a club that you know needs to play on the front foot, has high expectations, whereas maybe before he's, he's been at clubs that have been the underdog and have you know kind of accepted that look we're gonna we're not going to control the game, we're going to hit you on the counter attack, we're going to find ways to win the game, and I think that's maybe the difference with Bradford City compared to a you know Morecambe or or a Ross County, you know, no no offense intended. I, mean, I suppose he's been at Plymouth as well, though, hasn't he? And he did, he did pretty well there, although it, it, it didn't end that great, I think, from from what I remember. Um, but I suppose it's it's one of those ones he, he wants to prove himself at a big club again. What's what his style of play been like so far? Has it been because I know his Morecambe side were very well organised and very well drilled last season. Is it is it much of the same so far for you? Yeah, so I think that obviously the thing with Derek is like it's it's his way or the highway. So mm. he's not you know he's he's not gonna. Uh, compromise on his style and he's not going to compromise on, on you know the players and the staff he wants to bring in and um, that, that's something that I think our you know ownership has had to kind of relinquish because we whereas before we've had maybe like a, a stronger control over the recruitment and things like that so um, we actually had a head of recruitment who we brought in in January last, uh, this year um, and he kind of oversaw the signings uh, in January and after after this summer window, which Derek didn't seem impressed with the players we brought in, he's actually been sacked now already. Um, he was sacked in September, so that kind of shows you know that, that Derek's gonna, gonna he's not afraid to you know say you know this person needs to go. I want to bring this person in, um, and I, I guess his style of play, um, you know, we've kind of said already it's it's a really negative style of play. It's not your you know, control possession, play on the front foot, oh. play attacking open football, which is kind of why he's got his critics. Um, not just from his, you know, he's kind of outspoken out, you know, um, bully boy behaviour, which kind of does come through. But then again, he's, he's a very, you know, he's a very intelligent, you know, composed man. And I think, um, yeah, his, his style of plays, you, you'll probably see on Saturday, Carlisle will control the game, but what he likes is to convert his chances into goals. And that's where it's kind of hit a wall with us because the players that we have maybe don't have the quality to take that one or two chances to make sure, you know, that you come away with a 1-0 win or a 2-1 win. And because we we have one of the highest um, XG ratings in the league and, we, you know, we create some some incredible chances every game, 20, 30 mm. chances. Um, but we're just, we're just not converting them into goals because of the players, you know, that we have at... We have it as disposal at the moment. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those players. This is probably going to take a little bit, this, because <laughs> uh, looking at both sides, uh, the players who play for both clubs, th- there's eight in total across the two squads, which is quite incredible, really. Um, let's talk about the ex-Blues yeah. in the Bradford squad first. There's three there. Andy Cook obviously didn't play too much. for Well, didn't actually play a first-team game for us, actually, because he was a uh, first-year pro, never quite made it. Um, Alex Gilead had a decent loan spell with us from Newcastle. And Elliot Watt, again, a loan spell from from Wolves. I mean, how, how are those three getting on for you guys? Um, yeah, Cookie's obviously like the main um, the main striker mm. as it was, but he's again he's been he's had a lot of injury problems and he's actually he won't be playing on Saturday because he's out. Um, Gilead's back for his second spell. He he was a bit disappointed in his first spell. You know, he showed really good promising signs, especially as a kind of a young player. Um, they brought him back in now. Now he's had his time at Scunthorpe and he he seems to become more well rounded there and you know yeah um, more of like a 
had more of an experienced head on his shoulders. Oh. But again, he's he's not really. He, he, in the last couple of games, he's started to come into his own. He's started to have a, a bigger impact on games. But the thing with Gilead is he doesn't really get many goals and assists, which I guess is kind of you know the main yeah the, the main thing you're looking for, especially from a winger. Yeah. Um, and then Elliot, what you know, he's he's a real uh, marmite player. Some people really <laughs> like him. Some people um, think that he shouldn't be in the team. Um, he's very much a Hollywood footballer. You know, he likes to play yeah. these outlandish passes. You know, the big um, the big crossfield balls. Um, he, he, but he doesn't really like to do the dirty work in defence. You know, he's, he's happy just to take a foul, take a yellow card. Um, so he's, he's very much chalk and cheese, Elliot. What some games he, he can really run the show and dominate in the midfield, where some games can kind of get accused of going missing and, ju- and just you know not wanting to put the hard yards in for the team. Yeah, Elliot was an unusual one for us because he we only had him for what maybe the two or three months before obviously COVID kicked in, so we only got to see him for a short spell, and he was excellent in that short spell for us. So we probably never got to saw the other side of it. Um, with Gilead, he was always one of those players who I always thought he's got the ability, but has he got the yeah. fight there? He does. Yeah. The, the amount of times he'd funny out of a challenge, and you'd think just, all you have to do is put a foot in. It's not gonna. It's yeah. not gonna hurt you. And, and Cookie's one of those ones. It's, it's. I suppose there's a slight tinge of regret amongst our fans that he never really got a chance because he came through round about the same time as Gary Medine, and Medine looks straight ahead of him. I mean, I think the most the, the most frustrating thing with Cook for us is that you know he's, he's not really had a strike partner up there with him. No. Whereas where he's played at other clubs like maybe Tranmere, he's had a Norwood, um, yeah. alongside him who's really you know helped take the pressure off him because when he's been playing with us, he's been playing mainly as a lone striker and. Really had to take the brunt of the work. He's had to play as yeah. almost a target man and, you know, poach a goal scorer at the same time. So, for for what he's been asked to do, and he, I think he almost has a, you know, a one in two, one in three goal ratio. So he, his actual stats are, are pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, he he's one of those players. If if you give him enough chances and you give him the service, he'll he'll turn into goal. So for us, you know, Cookie's been brilliant. He's 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 kind of answered a lot of critics who said, "Oh, maybe he's too old, or maybe he's come to the end of his career." He's, he still looks like he's you know up for the fight, and you know we, without his goals this season, we we'd be nowhere, you know, nowhere even near the top half. So yeah, he's 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 a big loss for us at the minute. Both both him and Charles Vernon, they're kind of our two you know key men who who were going to get his goals. So yeah, without them, we 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 seem to hit a bit of a uh, bit of a struggle at the moment. Yeah, well, let's move on to the United squad then because. There's a fair few uh, ex-Bantams in there. I mean, there was, there was even more last that, season, yeah. I seem to think. That there was a long-running joke last season that the only DVD that Chris B. Jones was a Bradford City Reserves highlight from 2018 to 2020 or something like that. From, but, uh, from Geisley away, yeah, because he was scouting yeah. at Geisley, Geisley away in pre-season and some of our fans picked up that he seemed to only be signing players that he'd watched in that game. So uh, yeah, cause given he, some of the signings you've made, it might not be uh, too far. Yeah, because Amari Patrick, there was a picture of him and you can see Beach in the background in the crowd on it. It's yeah, a bizarre, right, yeah. one, bizarre one. Yeah, he's right. gone now. Um, so I mean, let's get let's go through them. I'll list them for you: Danny Devine, Ka- Callum Guy, or see in loan spell, you guys. Joe Riley, Kelvin Meller, and Jordan Gibson. There's your five. What what's your, what's your sort of memories of them at uh, Bradford? Um, well, most of them kind of play. They came through um, under our former chairman, who mm. uh, is one half of like the German duo. We're, we're, so we still, we still have one that's in charge, who's kind of like the money man, who doesn't really have any interest in football. Whereas the other guy was kind of heavily involved. He wanted to run the team. He wanted to pick the players. He he, mm. he appointed um, an under eighteen manager that he could basically control and you know basically influence him on the signing. So these were players who came in a really um, difficult time and. Um, yeah, so Joe Riley had a long injury. Um, he yeah. never really got to see, um, I think he did his crucial ligament or knee injury, so we never really got to see 
you know, the best of him. But you know, when he when he had a couple of opportunities, he looked quite promising. Well, he, he played at fullback obviously for you guys, didn't he? Because that's where he started yeah, at right United. Back. But yeah. for us, he's almost exclusively played in centre midfield. He's played a bit of right back this mm-hmm. season, actually, as cover. But mostly played in midfield for us. It's interesting that they, you know, Beach spotted that and decided to move him into that position. Yeah, he never played there for us. Obviously, centre midfield, we had, we did, we did have Danny da- Devine for a while, yeah. and I think, you know, uh, Bradford fans especially have a, you know, have huge respect for Danny. You know, he's he's one of our one of our own. He's a he's a Bradford mm-hmm. lad. He came through the academy. Um, you know, he he always said like how proud he was to represent the club and play for the club. So, um, yeah, you know, it'd be good to see him again this weekend. He was one that really, but he, he, under McCall um, at the start of. It was the 18-19 season or 17-18 season. He really got a run in the team and he, he seemed to be nailing down a position. But then, you know, when when results kind of went bad, he kind of became the scapegoat. As you know, as a young lad, let's yeah. get a more experienced player in to replace him. And he, he just never seemed to ne- never seemed to be settled in the side. And, you know, it's good that he's managed to go out and get an opportunity to play, um, play football. Uh, Callum Guy as well, another one who came in on loan and he, he didn't really make a huge impact. You could see kind of, you know, signs of quality um, mm. from him, but never really, um, you know, <laughs> never really looked like he was going to get a permanent contract or like he was, you know, really pushing to be... Uh, so, certainly not, not the levels that we showed last season, at least, anyway. <laughs> no, see, yeah, like last last season with Mellish, he seemed to really strike a partnership and be like one mm. of the one of the top players in the league, which is kind of typical from players when they leave Bradford City. They almost <laughs> seem to go on to other clubs in this league and, you know, have have real success and become one of the top players. Like we've lost, you know, Matty Dolan's gone to Newport. Um, yeah. I think, personally, I think he's one of the best uh, midfielders in this league at the moment. You know, Tim Dieng went to Exeter, another one. He was absolutely th- thriving at Exeter and looks a completely different player. So and we weren't too surprised to see um, you know, Callum Guy, Amari Patrick, those kind of players go to Carlisle and, and succeeding. Um, but like, yeah, obviously from what you've been saying, he's he's uh, he's, he's purple patch has kind of kind of died out of it, and he's he's not doing as well this season. And obviously, the last two, Kelvin Miller and Jordan Gibson. I think you mentioned that Gibson didn't <laughs> yeah, have the two, best of spells of you, did he? <laughs> yeah, two two players um, that might not get as good a reception on Saturday. Um, <laughs> you know, Kelvin Kelvin, you know, is a is a top professional and. You know, I think I think you can never say he didn't give hundred percent for the club, but for us, he, he just seemed to completely lack any sort of any sort of ability. Um, you know, we 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 had a running joke that uh, the only reason he's in the team is because he's because he has a long throw. Um, <laughs> he used to completely abuse the fact that he had. I don't know if you guys use it. We've never um, used it once. It's weird because last season you probably remember that we used to just launch into the box with Coyote every chance yep. we got because he had a monster of a throw in him. But this season. Beach sort of quietly dropped it towards the start of the season and Keith Millen just hasn't bothered <laughs> since he's coming because well, we haven't got any big players anymore. That's the problem. So Well, you, you'll see on Saturday that we still insist on using a long, not long throw that's mm. just completely aimless and is actually aimed towards Alex Gilead to flick on. So you'll <laughs> have a good laugh at that because he can't actually win a header. So, mm. yeah, pretty interesting tactic that seemed to begin under the Kelvin Miller era. Um, <laughs> he just used to launch it aimlessly into the box and never actually resulted in a goal. Um but yeah, he, he had some really, really difficult, um, really difficult games. Uh, Boyer seemed to really like him, Gary Boyer, when he was our manager, and mm. kind of took him as like a leader in the dressing room. But I don't really think he uh, he accepted that role much. And yeah, he, you know, he, he really got um, got some stick towards towards the end of uh, Boyer's reign. And then 
you know, once um, once McCall came back in, I think Mella completely got left out of the team and yeah. actually brought in a, a young lad, an 18-year-old who was, again, from our academy, Finn Cousin Dawson, who's now a international. He, he kind of just took over and then uh, Mella left for Morecambe, I think it was. Actually. Yeah. Um, he, he went and played under Derek Adams. Yeah, ironic that. <laughs> Uh, the yeah. no. And then, um, who's the other one? Jordan Gibson. <laughs> Jordan Gibson, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a complete enigma. Uh, played in a pre-season friendly against Sunderland um, while he was on trial with us. Uh, and he actually kissed the badge uh, in front of the cop when he scored. So from that moment, he became a bit of a yeah, a bit of a strange player because not really something you'd expect to see in a pre-season friendly no. from a trialist. No, certainly um, not. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's... Um, He's one of those. He showed incredible signs of potential, and he looked like a really, um, you know, talented, um, skillful player. But never in game seemed. To, we, first of all, he never really got a chance in the, in his first season when he when he actually signed a short contract. But then, when he got given the chance, you know, he's it, a lot of people questioned his attitude um, on the pitch. He looked very much, you know, unreliable. Didn't seem to work for the team. Um, you know, tried a lot of a lot of skills. You know. Again, another like Hollywood YouTube player who maybe thought he was better than he actually was. But yeah. you know, to be fair to the kid, he's, he seemed to just knuckle down. He went over to Ireland, you know, got a bit more experience of uh, professional football, and seems to come back to Carlisle and hit the ground running, which is you know good. Um, a lot of a lot of Bradford fans remember remember him for his uh, for his dad who, who was on Twitter, mm, which really outspoken that. about him. It was almost like the Devante Andy Cole situation that we had couple of years before where his dad was, you know, really bigging him up and saying, you know, this guy's too good for this club. He should be playing at a higher level and why is he not playing all this? So I kind of left a sour taste in some fans' um, mouths and kind of made him, you know, a bit of, a, bit of an, an outcast amongst the support because they just didn't, you know, didn't really get his, his whole like, attitude and demeanour. So, yeah, but he, look, look it, it wouldn't surprise me because we have a terrible run with ex-players coming back and scoring against us. So I fully expect to see him on the score sheet on Saturday. And with the way he's been scoring at the moment, you know, I'd, I'd almost put my house on him, him getting a goal this weekend. Yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned about him doing all the skills and things like that because it, it's one one thing we've picked up on our pod is that he try, sometimes he just tries a bit too hard to be the one mm. who makes something happen. And sometimes you think, yeah. just play a simple ball and, and, and then do your bits further up the pitch. It's frustrating. But you're right, I think going to Ireland seems to have toughened him up a little bit, at least as well, because yeah. he seems to cope quite well with the, the physical side since he's arrived with us. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much it, Ben. Thanks for your time. Before you finish, uh, do you want to give us a prediction for this weekend's game? We always like to ask the opposition for a prediction. Quite often they don't want to give one. But, uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you want to give one, that'd be great. Well, I've, I've been to Brunton Park. Four, I've been personally four times. I've never seen mm. a score there. So <laughs> you're already off to a good start. Um I mean, it, it'd be pretty much impossible not to predict a draw because, like I say, I think nine of his last 11 games have been draws. Um, so, uh, <laughs> given what we watched um, two years ago when we last obviously came up with, with some away support, um, which was uh, on a cold yeah, miserable day, December yeah. afternoon, which I'm predicting could be quite similar to what we see this Saturday. Um, I think I'll go for another nil-nil again. A lot of <laughs> a lot of depression um, a lot of a lot of kind of misery in the air. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be a pretty hard fought game, and it, you know, probably probably one goal nicks it either way if, if it's not going to be a you know a, a ball draw. Cheers, Ben. Thanks for your time. No worries, mate. Cheers. Yeah, thanks once again to Ben for giving up his time to speak to us. Uh, interesting little chat there. Interesting to see, you know, they're, they're sort of faltering by Fernando. They're not 
being poor they're drawing a lot of games but they're just not getting those wins at the moment you you, you almost look at Bolton last season don't you and you think it might just click for them second half of the season and you know if they can sort a few of the injury issues they'll, they'll probably start pulling up the table I think um referee for this weekend it's Andy Haynes uh it's his 15th season as an EFL referee it's one of the names you always see don't you on the, yeah, uh, the yeah. programs you recognize usually takes charge of three or four of our games a season. Uh, he's actually taken charge of 19 games so far this season, having got 50 bookings and no red cards yet. Um, he last took charge of United for the 2-1 home defeat to Cheltenham Town last season where no players were booked. Um, classic clash. Difficult one, this one. <laughs> you know what? We it's, have... it's not a classic. <laughs> classic in one sense. It's a, yeah. it's a, a match from the archives. I should probably... Uh, rename this section should I because because it's a big defeat this week um because the thing is we haven't actually played them that often because they've generally been in a higher division than us or when we were in the higher divisions they dropped down quite a bit so it, it's kind of a weird one we sort of passed each other on the way a lot of the time um but yeah basically going back to August 2013 Bradford City 4 Cal United nil. I think this is only fair considering what I did to the Shrewsbury fans last week um it, it's eight years on you can sort of look at this Dan can't you? it's sort of a big turning point in United's history or recent history at the very least. The budget was massively cut at the start of the season, wasn't it? You could tell that with the recruitment we made. I mean, Lewis Guy was a marquee signing for crying out loud, which tells you all you needed to know. And and it, and it's over it's over you can almost look at it as leading to the ongoing malaise that sort of leaves us floundering in EFL. Never mind no, struggling to stay in the EFL even. Not not even trying to get out of League Two to League One. That's the feeling I get when you, you look back at this game, don't you? Did you go to this one? No, and I'm glad I never. <laughs> oh, it was it was generally just awful. And I remember Pat Bruff was playing at left back this day, and he was probably one of our better players. And Greg Abbott actually subbed him off. I think with 20 minutes to go, and he wasn't engaging yeah. badly. He was like, "You don't deserve to be on there at the end of the game when it's yeah. going this badly." Really, um, I mean, we'd lost on the opening day five one to Leighton Orient. You could probably put that down as sort of a late collapse having played a good 60 minutes with just 10 men because I think it was 2-1 until about 10 minutes to go in that game um, but I mean this one was just a shambles from start to finish it could have been 8 or 9 if you watch the highlights back on the club's YouTube there actually isn't a single Kainite chance on those highlights and that's a, that's an accurate reflection of the day that's how bad it was um, they could have been free up early on due to defensive mistakes before Mark Yates gave them a a lead on 25 minutes. He cut in from the left and smashed an unstoppable right foot shot into the top corner for 25 yards. Not, nothing they could have done about this goal. It was a brilliant goal. Fair play. But then they doubled the lead on 25 minutes when Paul Furwell, he slotted in the centre-back this day, despite the fact that Mike Edwards was on the bench, which shows you how badly that signing of Edwards went when he couldn't even get in the team over a midfielder. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, Furwell tried to head it back to Gillespie. He didn't put enough on it. Um, Gillespie actually did well not to give away a penalty and forced... Naki Wells wide. But Wells does brilliantly to just sort of chip the ball over Gillespie and into the empty net, really. It's a really, really good finish when you look back at it. Um, and the game was dead in buried in 29 minutes when a scoop ball forward of the top saw Hansen, James Hansen, that is face up to Danny Livesey, and he slipped. Allowed the striker run on goal, and then he I mean, just fired into the bottom corner. Didn't give Gillespie a chance for that either. Um, too smart save, and Gillespie kept the score to three until... Substitute Kevin Feely, God, there's a name from the uh, Oof, from the Christ. past. Um, made an almighty cock up on his debut. He basically passed it straight to Naki Wells. He was away on the right, and he he he, slot, he played it over to Gary Jones, who was never going to miss from the penalty spot. We've just Gillespie to beat. 
Four 0 I mean, it could have been five late on. Gillespie made a decent block at save, and Livesey followed up with a block. But I mean, it's fair to say, I've never wanted a final whistle more in a long time than that game. It's basically a game you look back. It's emblematic of the ongoing issues at the top of Brunton Park that continue to haunt the uh, efforts to progress as a club, don't they? And I think that sums it up quite perfectly. I mean, looking at the team, it's just a mess, isn't it? Really, you've got Bruff at left-back, Potts playing at right-back still back then. Uh, Paul Black came on as a sub for Pat Bruff, who we signed on loan from Mansfield Town. Black, Lynch and Feely. What a set of subs. Yeah. And that was that was Jack Lynch's own appearance for the club. Yeah. <laughs> for, for refill for the lad in that sense. But yeah, and he, even the bench, the remaining subs were Greg Fleming, Alex Salmon, Mike Edwards and David Simonson. Yeah. Desperate, really, wasn't it, back then? Anyways. anyways. Let's, move, <laughs> let's move on to the play for both sections. Dan, this is your section, your chance to tell us about one player who's played for both clubs. Right. I've picked... Uh, a player who's he's 50 year old now mm. and he was born in Lutterworth in Leicestershire but he started his career at Manchester City and he actually played a, a few games for Manchester City uh, it is David Brightwell I thought it was I was looking for the list there and yeah no he played quite uh, quite a few games for Man City uh, not as you know he's brother Ian played a few more type thing but towards the end of his time he uh, he started going out on loan he had an early loan at Chester when he was a boy then he went to Lincoln and Stoke and he went to Bradford on loan and he ultimately signed for them yeah. but he, he only made about 23-25 appearances in a couple of years and he himself went to Blackpool on loan for a couple of games then he moved to Northampton for the season did alright then he uh, he moved to us for two years and he's always sort of the forgotten man of the Jimmy Glass game, isn't he? Mm. Because he scored the equaliser. It was actually a bloody good goal. Well, well you know what people forget about that season as well is, I think we had some like the third or fourth best defence in the third division yeah. that season. We had a really just, good defence. We, we just, just couldn't score goals. No, that was the problem, yeah. Yeah, but no, he had, he had a good couple of years with us. And uh, after, In fact, when he left us, he went to Hull City for a year. And then he had a, another year at Darlington, and uh, you know he, he is a little—he's he, a fireman now, isn't he? Yeah, I'm sure. I remember, he, yeah. there's an article somewhere online if you look at it or look him up. Yeah, yeah. And what a lot of people don't realise is he's the son of Olympic gold medalist Anne Packer. Oh, is he? I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and uh, formed a meter runner Robbie Brightwell. They obviously met. Uh, when they were on the uh, the running scene back in the day, oh. and as I mentioned, you know his uh, his brother Ian had a fantastic career at Man City. Played oh. over, played about four hundred games, including oh. cups, I think. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, they played for both this week. David Brightwell, brilliant. Right, I'm going to bash with these really quickly because we've already done. Quite it's a big time. list. <laughs> it's a big list as you'd expect. So obviously, Greg Abbott managed it's both clubs list. technically. It's a big list because Chris Beach signed half of them. <laughs> it's true, yeah. It's true. You joke, but yeah. Um, so obviously Greg Abbott, yeah, as I mentioned, he managed both clubs because he had a brief caretaker spell at Bradford, but he's best known for being a, a, a bit of a Bradford legend, isn't he, for his appearances in the 80s. Um, Paul Arneson, he had a spell there at uh, Bradford City. Uh, Tommy Barkas, I think he's going right back in the day for, for that name. Tommy Black, he's one we mentioned the other week, wasn't he, I think, as well, and another one. 
Um, another blast from the past. Mark Bridge Wilkinson had time there. Brightwell, you've also mentioned already. Reese Brown, George Birkinshaw, Danny Cadamartery. I think he's probably better known for his time at Bradford than he is with us, I think it's fair to say. I always said a fit Danny Cadamartery would have been nowhere near Brunton Park. Oh, of course he wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't, but there you go. Uh, Andy Cook, uh, obviously he's still playing for them now. Mark Cullen, he spent time there. Alan Davis is an interesting one. He's one maybe we'll cover on another episode sometime in the future because his story is very, quite a sad story, but it's a very interesting one. Um, Danny Devine, Jamie Devitt, Scott Dobie had a, was it a brief loan spell there. Was it from us, actually, in fact? It might have even been towards the end of his time of us. Possibly. Definitely had a spell there anyway. Um Fred Emery, I think he I think he managed Bradford possibly or something. I, I, I can't remember if he I think he managed us, didn't he? I, I, off the top of my head I can't remember exactly. Dobby sorry, I've just Googled it while you're talking. Dobby's loan spell at Bradford was while he was at St Johnston. Ah, well there you go. There you go. Um Dean Furman, obviously bit, probably better bet known for his time at Bradford as well. Jordan Gibson, Alex Gilliard. Uh, Matty Glennon, he spent some time there. Les Gore, Callum Guy, Stan Harland, Darren Holloway, Mickey Holmes, Jason Kennedy. We signed him from Bradford, didn't we, Jason Kennedy? I seem to remember. Yeah. We're talking about. Um, where am I at? Jason Kennedy, Nathaniel Knight Percival, uh, Richard Liebert. Uh, yeah, his story is an interesting one as well. Yeah, we, almost, we always picked him before. It's probably not appropriate to talk about what he got up to. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, Gary Liddell, uh, Peter McConnell, Kevin Miller, or Kelvin Miller, sorry, I've misspelled that again. Uh, Josh Morris, Eric Nixon. I was surprised you didn't pick Eric Nixon, actually, because he's... A, uh, he, he was on the shortlist. Yeah, because obviously there's, the story with him is the fact that he, he played in all four divisions in one season, didn't he? Yeah. I think he's I think he's the last person to do it. Probably one of the only people to have done that. So you back, when you do could do, now, you? back when you could do loans. Well, you probably could. Well, sorry, goalkeepers can, can't they? Because yeah, it's uh, emergency. Indeed. Uh, Eric Nixon, Les O'Neill, Ben Parker, Amari Patrick, Billy Painter, Jordan Pickford, Lenny Pidgeley, Ivor Powell, Jason Price, once again, just doing vocal reel on him. He's probably played for them. Uh, Jamie Proctor, another one who's played for everybody. Mark Prudo, again, another one who's played for loads and loads of clubs. Uh, ben Richards Everton, Joe Riley, Wes Saunders. I thought you might have picked him as well, actually, because he's a bit of a. I player. very, very nearly did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Schumacher, obviously we mentioned last week, now Plymouth Argyle manager. Plymouth manager. Ronnie Walwick, again, he, there's some stories about him. <laughs> what a player, yeah. though. What a great player, though. Um, Naki Wells, Fred Westgarth, Ben Williams, Tommy Wright played for Bradford, but he didn't obviously play for us, but he coached us and caretaker managed us for a short while. Um, can't do much more than coaching now, can he? No, certainly can't. Uh, Charlie Wyke and Francois Zerka, there's a couple of decent ones to end on, isn't there? Um, right, well, let's get into the preview section, the sort of now and then, sort of a Bradford preview bit. Uh, played them 54 times in our history. 19 wins, 14 draws, and 21 defeats. Um, you, you, there's a strong argument that they're probably the biggest club in League 2, isn't it? And considering they, you know, they played in the Premier League, what, just over 20 years ago now, I think it was. Um, they've been in a League Cup final not that long ago as well. You forget that. Um, they get huge support. But they find it quite tough back in League 2 over the last two seasons, haven't they? They haven't really hit the heights you'd expect and finished ninth in the first campaign back in, which was obviously interrupted by COVID, and then 15th last season, having at one point been in danger of relegation to the National League, wasn't it? There was a real worry for them. Around about when we played them, actually, wasn't it, I think? I seem to remember. They really struggled at that point. Um, yeah. So, sorry, I, uh, I'm, just as we were talking there, the club have announced that we've got a further 350 tickets for Salford. 
Well, there you go. Live news on a podcast. Not much use yeah. to people. But well, well, I was going to say, when, when it comes out on Friday morning, they're probably all sold out again. But just to show that we're on the ball, you know. Indeed. indeed. Um, they've got some injury and suspension issues at the moment uh, going into this game. Uh, Andy Cook's going to miss out, uh, as is Scott Vernon and uh, uh, Isa, who they signed from um, Scunthorpe not long back. I mean, he's a player, you know, big things were expected of in the past, wasn't there? But apparently he's out for the season. Uh, it's a big blow for them. And uh, their captain, Niall Canavan, he's also suspended for the game. So quite a few big players are not available for this match. And uh, I think in recent years, in terms of the management, they've relied on a club legend as a boss that didn't really work out. Um, and then two youth team coaches last season, which we, we did say at the time, the long-term contract for them was, was a bit of a surprise and a bit of a, Hmm, I'm not sure why they're doing that. They obviously realised quite quickly it wasn't going to work and they brought in Derek Adams in the summer, didn't they, Dan? Yeah. Uh, people thought it was a bit crazy to leave Markham, you know, having took them up, but I think from him, it'll have been two things. One, there's only so far you can take Markham. Yeah, yeah. Because in the 21st in the league at the moment. And two... Bradford, as we say, are the biggest club in the league and they've got the setup to go with it. So, mm. And I mean, no doubt pay better. Yeah, I mean, they've, it's been a bit of a sluggish first few months for them in West Yorkshire. I mean, as you mentioned, they previously won promotion with the Shrimps and Plymouth Argyle. But um, I think the Bantams represent a bit more more of a task like Argyle than Morecambe, don't they, really? I think it's fair to say. Similar sort of standing in terms of clubs. Just finding it tough to find the right form and get those wins at the moment. That's the problem. Um, in terms of star man, I was going to pick Andy Cook, but obviously he's not available. So uh, Ben kindly recommended that I pick Levi Sutton. He's a bit surprised that he picked this one, but he's a, he's a former Scunthorpe United midfield. He found it a tough first season at Valley Parade, but in this campaign he's established himself as a, a first-team regular in that sort of holding sort of defensive midfield role. And I think he's a, a key part in how they play and the fact that they generally keep it very tight at the back um, so far. Looking through the squad, Dan, any key members you'd pick out? I mean, I've picked out Elliot Watt as an obvious one and Gilead and, uh, and Watt are the obvious ones given the connections, we know what yeah. we can do. But like you say, the uh, the injuries they have, especially up front, mm. could uh, could could work well for us. Mm. And obviously Liam Ridehall as well, he was um he's been at quite a few clubs at this level, hasn't he, and done really well in the past, so he's a decent signing. Um current form wise, they actually sit eighteenth in the last six games, League Two form table. We're not to 15th. That, that win has really pushed us up because we were we were basically bumbling about 21st, 23rd, 24th, basically. And now we've we've moved right back up and another win would really push us right up the table. Um, their, their current record is, I think, drawn, drawn, lost, drawn, drawn, drawn. And I think they've, they've drawn something like nine out of their last 11 games. So you can tell by their issues, they just can't finish teams off. That's the problem they've and got. And that striker's injured, that's no surprise, is it? Yeah, not, not a surprise at all, really, is it? Um, let's cover United then, Dan. Um, Callum Guy featured against Stevenage, which was a big boost because there was a concern he was going to miss that because the knock he picked up against Mansfield. Looks like he's got through that with no problems. So at the moment, uh, injury-wise, we're looking not too bad other than the existing ones. I mean, Zach Clough, Gibby Toure, Joe Riley, Lewis Alessandra... Uh, Lucas Jensen and Josh Dixon are the ones who remain not injured. I don't think there's any others I've missed out there, is there? Uh, off the top of my head, no. I think that's all, all that's out injured at the moment. So, um, yeah, what do you do? Do you stick with the 11 that started against Stevenage? Maybe switch out Fishburne for one of younger Abrams? Do you do you persist with John Mellish up front? They always say don't change a winning team. 
and I think it would be unfair on the 11 that started last week if we did, to be quite honest. Mm. I could understand why he might want to take Fishburne out. He might just want to drop him in and out of the team a little bit at the moment, just keep him fresh and keep him, you know, not not put too much on him and expect him to play every game. Because he played the full 90 against um, Stevenage, didn't he? And that'll be a tough physical battle against them. Um, but I, I would like to see him start this one. I think maybe maybe over the Christmas break, you could look to, re- you know, Put him on the bench for one of those games to give him a little bit of a rest, but yeah, yeah. I think with a, with a week's break, I think it's it's worth having another look at him and yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. Does. And with any luck, he'll finally get the uh, the goal that we're hoping he would get for uh, finally for us. Um, he deserves one, doesn't he? Oh, he does absolutely. So uh, let's do predictions then, Dan. Uh, you're up first. What are you going to go for? A nice solid two nil win with goals from Jordan Gibson and the fish. He's going to get that goal eventually, isn't he? And, and He's going to get know, it in the 87th minute and then get booked for ripping his shirt off. Well, I'm going to go for more or less the same. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win, but I'm not going to go for... I'm going to go for Danny Devine to get his first goal for the club and Sam Fishburne to get the other as well. That's the prediction I'm going for for that. Now, Mike's just sent me over his prediction, so I don't know what it is yet. So let's let's hear what Mike's got to say for this one. I'm feeling confident, so I'm going to go for another 2-0 win, and I think the fish is finally going to get his goal, and you wait ages for one, and two come along at once, so he's going to get a brace. Ooh, nice <laughs> and confident. A brace for the fish. There you go. That, that's uh, that's the uh, the match predictions. Of the way. So there's not really much jeopardy there, just basically, who's going to score the other goal? We've all said 2-0. <laughs> We've all backed some fish went to score at least one, so it's whether who can score yeah. the goal, basically. Um Right, well, that, that's that, that section done, Dan. So just just the X Files next. It's a very short X Files section this week, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I was I was at home on Saturday because uh, I had to go and do a PCR test because I was a close contact to someone. So I watched all the scores come in, and it came back negative, by the way. And there was uh, very very little. It was mm. one, the, probably the quietest we've had. Uh, the only one in the proper leagues, uh, Hallam Hope scored. In the balmy five-all Oldham Forest Green game. I mean, this was a mad, wasn't it? Just, just yeah. goals keeps going in all the time. Yeah. I think it's one of those ones Forest Green are looking at, I think. That's just a freak result. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. Oldham are looking and at then, Great to get a point. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got four more, and they were all in National League North, weren't they? Mm, yeah. uh, Michael Liddell scored for Blythe in a 2-1 defeat to Southport. Yeah, uh, Kedwin Scott and Adam Campbell scored in Gateshead's four-three win at Farsley Celtic. I think Campbell's was a ninetieth-minute win as well. They're going really well, really good guns this mm-hmm. season, aren't they, Gateshead? And former keeper Lewis Gray scored an own goal in Chester's four-two defeat at Spennymoor. So not the greatest of starts for Danny Livesey as caretaker there, is it? So far, I don't think. No. Yeah. Um, in terms of the uh, other news, there's one I've missed off here, Dan. But I'm sure you'll remember what it is. So uh, let's go through them. Uh, we've got Jared Branfoyer to sign a new contract at Everton. Yep. Three and a half year deal with the option of a further year. And I think they're, they're possibly looking to loan him out again in January just just to get him the regular football yeah. because he's, yeah. he's classed as first team now. He doesn't really play for the under-23s. Yep. So, you know, uh, a loan, you would imagine a, a top-end championship team yep. they would want. Yep. Uh, and Gary Liddell was named in the EFL League 2 Team of the Week. Yep, and the other one, of course, is the news that broke. I think it was early today or yesterday about Danny Granger. He's left his role at Falkirk, hasn't he? Yes, uh, Danny Granger has left Falkirk, which they've just appointed a new manager, so it's not yeah. really a, a massive surprise that one. 
Yeah, not really surprised that, but I'm sure Danny won't be out of work for very long. There'll be no, plenty no. of suitors for him, I, I imagine. Um, and there you have it. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Um, thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch. Thanks once again to everyone for listening. There's no new places on the world map of listeners. I've been checking it for a while, and it, we seem to be a bit settled at the moment. And I don't think people are travelling as much, which probably doesn't help us uh, with those things. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, next week, obviously we mentioned we'll do that one in the new year when... We've got that free week after this Confab game. But um, over Christmas, we, we're looking at how we're going to fit this in. And I think what we're going to do is, at the very least, we're going to do a double header for the uh, Rochdale and Salford games. In terms of what we do for the Scunfog game, whether we actually even do preview that, I'm not sure because it's going to be very tight to fit it in. I think it's it's fair to say, especially after the uh, the Salford game, we may might just record something at the Salford game. Possibly, we never know. We might just do something there and, and set put that one out. Possibly, but. Um, We'll have to wait and see what we do with that when we done. So it's yeah, going to be a double yeah. header next week of uh, previews. Well, I, I I think a triple header would probably be better to be honest, it, it, just with time constraints. We we might cover a little bit on Scunthorpe, yeah, yeah, but it yeah. probably won't be yeah. as detailed as as Rochdale and uh, Salford. So uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see what we can do with. I've that. just had a look as well uh, on the bet builder on Bet Three Six Five. Carlisle to win with the fish score in any time is six to one. Oof. Maybe put a couple of couple of pennies on that. Maybe bring bring mm. in a bit of money in, but you never know. But yeah, we're not not we're just, gamble responsibly. We've got to always say that. Yeah. Right? There you go. There you go. Uh, that's it then for this week, Dan. Thanks once again for joining me. Uh, thanks no everyone, problem. Again, everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week of our little Christmas double header special. So uh, thanks once again and uh, up the blues. Up the blues. Oh, I'm